This is the ICTE Podcast, a quarterly news and talk show about what's new, trending, and worth discussing in the world of teaching English language arts. The ICTE Podcast is the official podcast of the Iowa Council of Teachers of English and was created to advance ICTE's mission of facilitating deep connections and professional learning for English language arts teachers of all stages. This is episode 10 and the final episode of season 2. I'm Austin Hall, and I'm coming to you from ICTE and iowaenglishteachers.org. In this finale to season two of the podcast, I'm pleased to bring you a special conversation. A little over two months ago, I had the opportunity to speak at the University of Northern Iowa on an English alumni roundtable on podcasting that also included John Tonjes, host of This Is Not For You podcast, a page per episode analysis of the cult novel House of Leaves, and Lucy Fitzgerald, one of the three co-hosts of the true crime podcast, Wine and Crime, which New York Magazine named one of the best true crime podcasts. The engaging and informative conversation is a great listen for anyone looking to bring the exciting world of podcasting into the classroom. The roundtable and panel was moderated by Jim O'Loughlin and sponsored by the UNI Department of Languages and Literatures, the English Club, and the UNI Council of Teachers of English. I thank Jim and everyone else involved for making this event a reality and for allowing me to share the conversation on behalf of ICTE. Enjoy. All right, hey, I want to thank everyone for coming out on a Friday afternoon. Um, this is the first of what will be the, uh, hopefully, other uh, UNI English Alumni uh, Roundtables. I apologize for the uh, false advertising. We do not have a roundtable. But we do not have a roundtable because we're recording this. Because I think it was John's idea. It's like, oh, I should put this up on my podcast and we're done. So anyway, so there will be a recording kind of made of, uh, made of this. And I guess what'll ha- so what will happen today, though, it will be kind of an informal style presentation um, discussion. There'll be some time at the end for uh, for questions, so please do be thinking about that as you as you come along. And then one thing I have to do. Since these are alumni, the alumni office uh, sent bags of swag, so I get to give everyone a bag of swag. Yeah. I would like to say this is a free gift, but I'm sure you can expect them to hit you up for money at some point. So. <laughs> All right. So anyways, I want to introduce our, and I should just say how this came about is just because through various ways I realized that these, you know, three former students of mine had all um, got involved in podcasting in different ways, and I was thinking, wow, that's the nature of that field right now is it is something that uh, the barriers to entry are kind of low, but then what happens in a podcast, you know, can vary very widely. So anyways, I'll just introduce who's here with me. Um, Austin Hall teaches at Dowling Catholic in West Des Moines, teaches 9th and 12th grade English. He's also on the executive board for the Iowa Iowa Council of Teachers of English, and then as co-coordinators of publications, runs their quarterly, the ICTE quarterly podcast. And he's been doing that for how long now? A little over two years. A little over two years. Okay. All right. And then uh, next to him is Lucy Fitzgerald, whose actually day job now is being the co-host of the Wine and Crime podcast. She is, of course, also a also a freelance writer based out of Des Moines. And then at the far end, uh, John Tonjes, his, his actual day job is working as an IT server administration for Harrison, uh, Harrison Truck Center in Waterloo, 
Um, and then he has a kind of passion project, which is a podcast that involves going page by page through the kind of cult classic uh, House, of, House of Leaves, uh, doing uh, different, different podcasts on that. Okay. So um, my main goal is to not say too much and let everyone else here talk. So I'm going to, I asked everyone to just uh, talk a little bit about their podcast, uh, maybe how they got involved with it, and then we'll kind of go into some more back and forth. And there again, there will be time for some questions from all of you. So please be thinking about that as we're going through. So, all right. Uh, Austin, I guess we'll just turn things over to you then. Uh, well, like Jim said, uh, the podcast that I'm the host and producer and I guess grab bag everything for uh, for the Iowa Council of Teachers of English is uh, now just known as the ICTE podcast. Um, started about two and a half years ago uh, as a member of the executive board uh, for the previous couple of years before starting the podcast. Um, I was co-coordinator for awards. Uh, and while I really think it's important to award teachers, uh, that wasn't necessarily my, my passion area on the board. And so uh, I sort of had some flexibility to create a position for myself. Um, and uh, I've been a fan of podcasts for a number of years. So I just thought, what the heck, I know nothing about this. This will give me an excuse as an educator uh, to maybe learn a little bit about uh, that medium. And uh, it has really been, uh, to, to Jim's point, an evolution, a learning curve for me. Um, I uh, began not really even knowing what, as far as uh, English teachers, how they would uh, use a, a podcast. Uh, and so I, I kind of started with interviewing teachers I knew uh, and sort of going from there. Uh, but it has uh, evolved into talking about a number of different things. Uh, I've, also, I've actually had a couple different episodes um, that uh, I, along with uh, a teaching colleague of mine, have, interf have interviewed uh, published authors. Uh, and so that has been a fun way of uh, growing professionally, but also sort of tying that in with the podcast. So uh, who knows, content-wise, where it will go from here, but I'm excited to sort of see uh, where it does go. Uh, my name is Lucy Fitzgerald. I'm one of three co-hosts of Wine and Crime podcast. Um, it's a true crime comedy podcast, which is maybe a touchy line to toe there for some, but uh, we make it work. Um, we pair each episode with a wine, and we drink wine while we do it, so that loosens things up a little bit. Um, we released our first episode in February of 2017. Um, we just put out our 112th episode. We've only missed one week, and that was because uh, some world events made our topic for that week's episode seem a little bit tasteless, so we skipped that week. Um, but uh, we have been on tours. We just did a festival in New York City. We did a tour in Florida. Um, things are blowing up. Uh, when, it, when we first started the podcast, I was working at Meredith Corporation in Des Moines at All Recipes Magazine. And um, as Meredith tends to do. Uh, I got caught up in a layoff in November of 2017, and that was, or sorry, yeah, 2017. So that was kind of right when the podcast was sort of taking off. So I leaned into it and uh, used my Cobra insurance <laughs> quite a bit. And uh, yeah, now it's my full time job and it's um, working out. So yeah, we have a little over 8 million total downloads. So it's, it's going pretty well, but. Yeah, that's me. I'm John Tonjes. Um, I got into podcasting actually through listening to them for a long time and then kind of thought, oh, maybe my friends and I can do the same kind of thing and um, 
we this is the House of Leaves podcast I do now is actually the third one I did a couple other ones with my friends that weren't really as focused on the topic. We were kind of really anything we thought was interesting, and we really had a hard time kind of keeping everything together that way because we're like, oh, this would be cool if we do this for an episode, and then you know, trying to describe all of that to somebody, oh, what's your podcast about? Well, it's literally about whatever we think is cool at the moment. So there went through uh, went through a couple of iterations between that podcast, another one where I actually was a co-host but didn't do any of the production on, which was kind of nice to see that other side of it. And then finally, this House of Leeds podcast, at one point, they were all running at the same time, but just uh, due to time constraints, I had to start picking and choosing favorites. Um, I did stick with this one because I felt it was more, not only is it much more focused on the topic, but it's also something that I would really want to listen to, you know, if I had the choice to listen to a podcast on that topic, you know, the idea that you make something that you would want to be able to enjoy also. And I think that really helps put some passion behind it. Like Jim said, it is a very much a passion project because it is one page at a time is a little grueling. I did the math and, you know, best case scenario, I'm going to be doing this for about seven to 10 years until I cover the whole book. So it, it is really going to be a testament of my enjoyment of not only the book, but also kind of digging deep into a lot of those uh, critical analysis and some of the um, some of the the literature things that I've kind of brought into it from my creative writing background. Well, you know, I'll segue right to that because, of course, that was going to be my question. Because well, you all these are three very different kinds of podcasts, very different schedules, formats. Um, but what you all do have in common is a background in English. So I'd be interested in how how that has come into play, particularly, I guess. Um, the nature of podcasts is not that there wouldn't be scripted components, but they tend to be, I know particularly with Lucy with your, and, and, and uh, Austin with yours, because they tend to be more conversational. Um, you know, you're not going to script all of that, so a lot of that is improvised. So, but to what extent do you feel you've kind of had to build off of um, your work in English? Uh, yeah, I, I guess I would start by saying um, as, a, as a former student, uh, uh, an English student and as an English teacher, uh, it's just kind of my nature to begin anything with a drafting type process. So I, especially at the beginning, I was almost entirely scripted, uh, more just for my own survival at that point than anything else. Um, but as I've, I've gone along, um, I think it has gotten more conversational, more um, sort of even off the cuff a little bit. Um, but it sort of depends on the, on the subject matter too. Um, or what aspect of the podcast. If, uh, for instance, uh, in one most recent episode was a two-part episode where um, I, uh, along with uh, one of my friends, Jen Paulson, interviewed the uh, writers G. Neri and E.E. E. Charlton Trujillo. And part of, they both recently came out with books. And so part of the episode was, uh, you know, getting that information out there. That's something where I want to be sure I uh, am communicating that effectively. <laughs> so I'm doing a little bit more of that writing process. Uh, but I think something too in, in you know, talking with students of mine, um, that idea of audience and purpose, and that when you you know you have a real audience, how that maybe impacts the writing process uh, is significant sometimes too. So I guess um, my answer would be it, it definitely comes into play in my, uh, my time as being part of the uh, UNA, uh, excuse me, UNI uh, test cohort uh, in the, the writing training that sort of came along with that with the Iowa Writing Project um, has, has definitely supported me in my podcasting uh, experience so far. Uh, yeah, everything he said. <laughs> um, and also just, um, I, I, I write out my notes for each episode um, 
it's mostly in like bullet point fashion because like you noted it is very conversational very much improvised a lot of it um, but having a background in English has helped my research skills in terms of um, not only finding the information that I'm looking for but deciding what information to even look for in the first place um, depending on the topic it can be it can range from talking about different types of blood spatter for example which is super interesting if you're into it um, or a recent episode was uh, seduced to kill and I just didn't had absolutely no interest in talking about the psychology of seduction so I took 10 seduction tips from Maxim magazine and 10 from Cosmo and it was sort of like more of a social commentary angle so um, just being able to consider and think critically about the information that I want to present and how that's going to sort of play into the other topics like the rest of the episode um, that's definitely helped inform a lot of my decisions too. And mine is obviously a little more unique in that I've actually have written work that I'm working from you know, I don't necessarily have to type up everything like for an interview but it's almost, I almost treat it like it is doing a research paper. I'll go through, I'll highlight, I'll underline on a specific page I'm gonna be doing an episode about, and then it is almost, okay, this is important, so I'll highlight it, I'll come back to it while I'm doing the podcast, you know, I'll, I'll go through my notes, but not only being able to work off somebody else's work essentially already, you know, I already have that much done. I don't have to come up with the story, I just have to start analyzing it. So it's almost being able to start halfway there and then just applying all the analysis that, you know, the analysis techniques and, and anything that along those lines that I would have learned, I can start picking apart the different, um, the different aspects of the story from that creative writing and the English background. I feel like for you too, not to interrupt, but when you're talking about the footnotes for each section yeah. too, just sort of like having a background in research, just figuring out if those footnotes are real. Yeah, so um, part of the, maybe the intrigue of the book is a lot of it you're not sure if it's, if it's referencing something that's real, if it's not, because a lot of the book will have footnotes that reference, oh, this article in this you know, journal or magazine, and some of them aren't even real. Some of them is just the author created them to kind of back whatever he's trying to say at the moment. And half the time I just have to start Googling the footnote citations and say, okay, is this one real? And if it is, you know, this is what it's actually about. If it's not real, we just mark it up to the author playing around with us. And even just from doing that, I'll read a real book now that has footnotes and I'll start following the footnotes and like, oh, this is gonna be something really interesting and it's actually just a normal citation and I'm a little <laughs> bit disappointed. So now, of course, you're all grizzled veterans of podcasting, but I, so I wonder what you have learned now that you wish you knew when you got started, particularly thinking, because I'm sure somebody in this room is thinking, oh, I could do that, I could start something else. What would be something you wish you had known in the beginning? Um, if I can jump in, yeah. just, um, just to go ahead and do it, because I sat on this idea for four or five months, and you know, I had been doing other podcasts, so it's not like I was unfamiliar with that, but just the idea that, okay, I'm, I'm toying with this idea about doing a podcast about a book, which is a weird enough concept, and then here's a book not a lot of people have read. And I was really pitching it a lot back and forth between friends and family, like, hey, what do you guys think of this idea? Would, is this something you would listen to? And even my wife, who teaches English and is very much an avid reader, she told me, you know, what the hell are you doing? This is not... 
uh, you know, you're, you're not going to get off the ground with this. And thankfully, I didn't listen to her. But um, that the, one time, thank <laughs> the, you. yes, Let's be just clear. that one time. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for the reminder. But uh, it, it's very much just the idea that there's a lot of ways to do the podcast. Jim and I were even discussing earlier there's apps that you can download where you literally hit the record button, your group of people or you say whatever your podcast is, you know, you do the podcast. And then in that same app, you can do the editing, you can do the uploading. It, it's all encompassed in one thing. So really, it's the technology isn't the limitation. It's just having your idea and doing it. And I sat on this idea for five months, and I really wish I hadn't, because then I could just be that much more into it at this point. I would jump in and, and definitely echo the, the technology. I think it's the easiest probably it's ever been uh, right now to, to start. Um, one of the issues I ran into initially is I, I had the idea, I had the passion. Um, Heck, I had an iPhone, so it's like, great, that's really all I need, at least initially. Um, what became my stumbling block uh, at that point was the actual like hosting of the podcasting site. I, I wasn't quite sure how that all worked out. Um, and so I had, out of the box, was saying that this was going to be a monthly thing. And then all of a sudden, I realized I don't have the capacity right now to, to, to put it up and, and do it like that. Um, but if you are... If you are at all interested in starting a podcast, I would, uh, and speaking as maybe a, a novice, or at least what I thought was a novice two, two, two and a half years ago, uh, there's a website called Anchor, uh, anchor.fm, uh, where uh, super easy uh, to, to plug in and, and launch your podcast, and it, can, um, and, and it can be hosted at Apple, at Spotify, at um, a lot of these uh, popular podcatchers out there, so... Um, yeah, I, I would I would echo just go for it. I think that's actually the app that I was um, I can't quite remember, but I think they had emailed me something about now they have an app. You know, before it was a website and a service, and now that's the app that you can just you know one click and start your podcast. Uh, Anchor was just purchased by Spotify recently, so keep an eye on Spotify for all of your podcasting needs because they are investing. Um, yeah, again, what these two said. Uh, if you have an idea and you're passionate about it and it's an authentic, it's going to come from an authentic place, then you do it. You have to do it. Um, I, in my experience, the hardest part was building a full-on business around it. Um, I had never been a business owner before, so there was a lot to figure out in terms of, you know, taxes and accounting and things like that. Um, but the, but the podcasting itself, creating a theme, kind of sewing these stories with two of my best friends. Um, it's just fun. And really, we started it as a, as a hobby because at the time I was working 40, 50 hours a week. I did not, I was not looking for something else to do. It was just something that I really enjoyed doing. So if it starts from a place like that, then it's not going to get old and you can kind of take it as far as, as you want to. And Lucy, we were talking a little bit over lunch. Was I had not realized. I thought you were all like hanging out in somebody's living room, recording all of these with, and sharing the same bottle of wine. But you're like been recording these on like different continents. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm in Des Moines. Amanda is in Minneapolis, and then Kenyon is in Johannesburg, South Africa, and that's where we've all been since we started it. So. Um, Logistics-wise, we have our conversation over Skype with our headphones, and then we are each recording our own audio track with our own microphones in GarageBand, and then we send those MP3 files to 
Amanda, who was just our editing person, um, who just stitches them together in Logic Pro. And now we have outsourced editing to a, a professional, thank God, finally, two years later. Um, so that's off of our plates, but there was a lot of teaching ourselves various aspects of how to create a podcast. We didn't have any outside help other than the internet, um, but all of that information is out there. And Anchor didn't exist at the time, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, so yeah, it is getting increasingly easier for people to just do it on their own. You can do it with other people. You can have guests on. Um, it's 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 easy, and it's a really fun medium because it can be so intimate. The ways in which people consume podcasts, they're in their car or they're in their earbuds. It's always like you listen to a podcast when you're alone versus like if you watch TV, you might be with somebody else. You go to a movie with somebody else. That's, that's sort of more of a communal um, medium. Um, but podcasting is different. So I, to me, it's very intimate. And also just the fact that, like you mentioned, it is pretty – it's very democratic in that way that there are podcasts on literally anything you'd ever want there to be a, a podcast on. House of Leaves, for example. Um, so yeah, it just it, it, it's, it's unique and it's very interesting to see the variety of topics that are out there. Well, one of the challenges I would think is that the nature of this is a, there's no kind of, or at least it's not designed to be a kind of one and done medium. So you um, need to kind of think of ways of both, you know, finding enough material, but also kind of keeping it fresh for yourselves. And I wonder, and I think, Lucy, you said you were like, what, 112 episodes in now, and, and you know, John, you've got your next decade and a half set for yourself here. I mean, are there ways that you find you have to kind of mix things up, or do you have formulas that you feel, you know, still work well and are successful, and you happy sticking with them? I, uh, for mine, obviously, the bulk of mine are going to be just the actual page analysis, but... Uh, something I, I came across from the help of a fan early on is I've started adding what thematically what I call footnote episodes, but it's something that's adjacent to House of Leaves. You know, occasionally it would be, um, actually I had a fan on as a guest, and, and we talked about some of the thing, the, the very minute details that, we might, that I might have missed during the episode or, or fan theory kind of things. But also I have plans that um, there's, a lot of comparison with the uh, one of the plot lines in the book to uh, the Blair Witch Project. So I want somebody who's you know more into the literary, or I'm sorry, the uh, cinematic critique to be on as a guest, and then we can hash that out as kind of an adjacent topic. Or the author's sister created a uh, album that came out at the same time that makes references to the book. So you know somebody who's more musically inclined would come on, and we kind of talk about you know, the, the conjunction between those two things and the, the ability to be able to kind of branch out to, to adjacent topics without still going completely out of left field and losing the focus, I think is an easy way, at least for me, because if you, if you know the format of one of the episodes, you know the format of most of the episodes if it's a single page. So that allows it to, to mix up a little bit and gives me a break from another page, you know, per episode, so... The English teacher in me would go right and answer that question um, as far as thinking about mentor text. And so when I'm teaching uh, my students as writers, I know that uh, one of the things that can be really helpful is, you know, the more you read, the more examples you build to your own toolbox as far as how, how you can write. Uh, and so I think uh, being 
a, an avid podcast listener has helped me with thinking about new approaches as well, whether that's um, an open. Initially, I sort of modeled my open after the open for the lore podcast because I, I just thought it worked really well. Um, and, and not saying I'm, I'm copying it because that's not what I'm doing, but uh, finding an aspect that you can sort of um, connect to your own uh, or even just come up with different ideas. I know uh, for me, what is the podcast has changed the way I, when I go to like English or education conferences, I now am thinking ahead of time, well, I'm going to be around like-minded individuals. How could I potentially, if I stop someone, could I do an interview? Or, or Because uh, my podcast is meant to be a way to bring uh, members of the Iowa Council of Teachers of English um, together online. Um, and so in a way, it's sort of professional development-ish type stuff. Uh, so I, I guess I, my ear is more attuned to things that might uh, be interesting to English teachers. Um, I think that consistency is very important in terms of branding, um, but having said that, variety, especially if, if uh, you know, things would get kind of stale otherwise, um, is important. So on our show, we'll have guests on. Um, we had the FBI profiler who caught the... Um, What's it called? The bomber, the Unabomber. There we go. So that was really interesting. Um, so every once in a while, we'll get like a really cool hookup like that and just have them on. We had some fingerprint experts on, which I think I was the only person interested in that, but it was worth it. Um, I sang a song on one episode, just shaking things up and kind of giving people something to talk about and like a reference point within your whole catalog of episodes is um, important just keeping things interesting. So you've all kind of mentioned having kind of guests on and I, and uh, on the podcast, and I've also struck, and it maybe picks up on Lucy was saying about the kind of intimate nature of that, that I think, you know, you all have people who, you know, will, will as fans or as just people who will even not know you but know your, but know your work and want to talk about that. I'm just wondering how that, what that experience has been, has been like working with, their, you know, with guests or fans? I, um, I mean, it's been great for me because starting this out, I was really concerned about it being such a niche audience, you know, that the, there wouldn't be a ton of feedback and it might have been a little bit slow to ramp up, but I started to get a lot of listener feedback to the point where I've got uh, episode ideas kind of ready to go because of them. People, fans have sent me, there's a an unpublished um, or, or failed movie script that was written for House of Leaves or, or a TV pilot, something along those lines, that somebody dug up from years ago and sent it to me. And so I want to be able to go through that as one of those episodes. And another fan sent me an interview that they found that was transcribed with the author talking about this and his next book. And I, I found it very uh, useful because not only, you know, I'm getting feedback that people are enjoying what I'm doing, so I want to keep doing it, but they're also giving me ideas and content that I can then create as episodes for them. So they're really helping out, you know, the rest of the listeners that way too. And I think that's, it's, it's been a completely positive result that I've found. Yeah, I also get um, lots of emails with content ideas if it's, a whole episode topic or just like a fun wine pairing. Um, people recommend 19 Crimes wine 
almost daily, and I'm so tired of it, but, like, I'm glad they're engaged. Um, but, yeah, people will send just bizarre obituaries, and, like, we actually had to create a, a spinoff show just to sort of keep up with all this fantastic listener feedback and response and all these weird ideas because we can't possibly fit them in and they're so crazy and cool um to go hand in hand with that intimate the intimacy thing um a very consistent thing that we are told is that people feel like they're just sitting around with their three best friends and having this whole conversation they're like you know I feel like I'm the fourth person um which I think again speaks to the medium and also just how how people consume podcasts they just that it, it is very intimate and if they're listening to you that means they're interested in the content that you're putting out and if you're doing a good job at it and you're consistent with it that, that then you're like a friend to them uh, and I would say uh, of the three I'm probably um, more in the not infancy stages, but the beginning stages of my podcast. My podcast is a quarterly podcast. So at this point, uh, if you include sort of part episodes or, or two halves to one episode, I probably have about 10 or so under, under my belt. Uh, and so as far as the uh, communication, because my intended audience uh, being primarily English teachers uh, and during the school year, maybe uh, they are commenting on other other things uh, rather than uh, the podcast maybe they're listening to. But that that is something... Um, that I, you guys are sort of putting some ideas in my head of, of how I can sort of continue that those conversations um, because I, I I think for me so far one of the concerns Jim you had mentioned maybe one of the things that you would thought of wish you would have thought about earlier or whatever I don't want this to turn into the Austin Hall podcast um, about views on teaching I want it to truly be the um, ICTE podcast so I think uh, to your point the more of varied voices that you can sort of bring in. I am, I'm looking forward to continuing that as, as I move forward. Now, when I do any kind of print interview, I always go with the question, like, you know, what question should I, should I have asked you that I haven't? But, so I will throw that out to you, but it could also be a variation of what questions would you now, having heard each other talk, want to ask each other about? Uh... Are we really going to do this for 10 more years? <laughs> <laughs> I want to. Uh, whether or not life gets in the way, yeah, yeah. but I definitely want to, yeah. Um, and, th and that's really because when I started, it was, you know, I, I had read the book a couple of times, and I was interested in more content about it, and I searched as hard as I could, and there wasn't, you know, I couldn't find a single, not even just House of Lease podcast, but I couldn't find a single podcast that referenced it, you know, literary or otherwise, and so there was really, you know, the, the want to create content that you want to hear, and also the idea that, um, uh, if you create good content, people will find it. So even if it's not necessarily in their wheelhouse, you know, somebody, maybe another author or another literary podcast or somebody's going to stumble upon, one day I'm going to have, you know, 750 episodes of this podcast out there. And that's going to maybe, you know, give somebody else the idea to do something similar, you know, even if it's not necessarily uh, market or, you know, geared towards that person consuming all 700 episodes, it's still going to be out there maybe as an idea or to spark somebody else. So just the idea that, you know, maybe I can do 100, you know, 750 episodes. Anybody else who wants to do a podcast can do that, too. John, I'll throw another one your way. I'm curious, uh, as an English teacher, specifically uh, teaching a reading class, I'm curious what you have learned about the book or, or how has your reading of the book changed as you've started the podcast? I, I think it really, um, it, stereotypically, you know, you read a book front to back and that's it. You know, that's your, your very 
linear story. And this is almost really pushing that boundary and I think it might give other people the idea of ways to play with that medium. Because in this one, you're bouncing around between pages, you're, you're turning the book upside down to read it, stuff's mirrored, you know, all kinds of things like that. And even just, you know, in a teaching environment, if you just give people that idea, you know, that could just spark an idea that, oh, you know, you can play with the medium in a way that's not normal. And then, you know, maybe it's, it's not, um, maybe it's not as unique because, oh, House of Leaves did it before, but the idea that more people would be engaged in that kind of thought process, that it kind of breaks them out of that single linear story thought process. And I think, I'm, like I said, even with the footnotes, I look at a normal book now with footnotes and I don't know what to do with them because they're just citations. Mm -hmm. And the idea that as you play with those, those concepts of you know flipping between pages, even in like a choose your own adventure idea, it just gives people more tools that they can not only enjoy a book with, but also if they choose to write or choose to create, it gives them more ways that they can create something in a unique way. I just like that you're adding another layer of commentary to this <laughs> yeah, book. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna get to the point where someone's gonna have to do a podcast about my podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I, I have one more question, then I'll open things up uh, for any questions that you might have, but, and I have my pen out for this. So what other podcasts out there should I be listening to that I might not already be listening to that you might wanna recommend some favorites for Ologies. Us? It's just called Ologies. Uh, it's hosted by Allie Ward, and she is hilarious. And she has an expert on every episode who's just an expert on, like, whatever ology, like, you know. Of course, gynecology is the first one I think of. But um, she's it, her slogan is asking smart people dumb questions. <laughs> and it's just endlessly fascinating. I listened to a whole episode. It was like an hour and 20 minutes about trains. Trains. There's an expert in that. So just, yeah, it's fantastic. That's my favorite one. And if this, someone is listening to this after the fact, what they won't know, though, when I asked this question, John and Austin immediately whipped out their phones and pulled out their <laughs> podcast apps to figure out what they could say. All right, so I'll uh, shout out a few here. I'm a huge fan, um, particularly big reading fans. Um, anything that Book Riot puts out, I'm a huge fan of, including the Book Riot podcast. Um, Hidden Brain, put on by NPR, is fantastic. It's similar in some ways um, to Revisionist History. If you haven't heard of that, I would highly recommend Malcolm Gladwell's podcast. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I guess those are some of my for sure go-tos. I mentioned lore earlier, too, um, sort of creepy supernatural, uh, real, well, maybe real stories out there uh, that I enjoy listening to as well. Uh, I'm going to shout out two um, podcasts also. One of them... I'm a big fan of uh, Blurry Photo Podcast. It's, it's very much thematic with, you know, the horror story kind of thing. They go through cryptology things, UFO, and they'll give things a fair shake, but they won't take any BS either if it's very obviously, you know, B, you know BS, they'll call it out. And they do it in a very funny manner. Um, and, and I think that's, to me, that really got me in, you know, the kind of mindset that, oh, I can do that kind of podcast, podcast too because it's, you know, obscure. It's not necessarily something... You know, somebody would believe somebody's not going to listen to a UFO podcast where they just say UFOs are fake. So, the other one I actually haven't listened to it yet, but I'm very excited to. Um, as a new parent, is called Their Own Devices, and it's about how uh, kids can, or essentially raising kids in a digital age, and you know the um, kids' access to electronics, you know, digital media, 
uh, social media, that kind of thing. Um, so I'm giving that one a shout out, even though I haven't heard it yet. So. All right, and uh, let me just let you know, not that I, not that you will not be saying your your questions uh, intelligently. I'm just we'll be repeating them so that the mics will pick them up. Okay, but if does anyone have any questions you'd like to ask? Uh, so when Lucy was here, she'd worked at the literary magazine, the North American Review, and a question about how that may have impacted, that kind of experience may have impacted her podcasting. Uh, I'm a much smarter person because of it. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> um, well, what I did there was just mostly sift through submissions. So um, I guess just, and what I do for our podcast has almost nothing to do with quality. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> Just whatever's interesting, um, but I I I think I have a more refined sense of bad writing, so that kind of helps to suss out maybe uh, less reliable sources. Um, yeah, there are a couple of times that come to mind where I maybe should have realized that it, something I was saying was coming from a very biased website, but uh, yeah, it. I mean. If, if nothing else, it was just, it kind of goes hand in hand with the research and sort of just sort of a refined sense of, you know, what's, what's good, what's reliable. Fond memories, though. That was fun. Wait, wait, I have to, I have to repeat the question. So John was asked about, because he's done some work with web comics, whether he sees any connections or, or parallel there. Uh, probably just the idea that I, I feel like I constantly need to create. And you know that's probably why I had three podcasts going at one time, is just I have all these ideas. And you know once I create an idea, I, I want to implement it somehow. And you know at one point, I was creating the, the web comics, because that was kind of the idea that I had. And I could work with that medium. And then that was before I even knew what podcasts were. So now I've kind of transitioned over to podcasts. And I, I, you know, even anymore, I have ideas that might be good for podcasts, but as you know, I've got one, I need to focus on that one. Uh, but definitely just the creator mindset is I would keep coming up with ideas and maybe even just how to, how to narrow that idea down into a more manageable uh, piece because when you're writing a, a comic or, or kind of that graphic art, you have a lot that you need to fit into three or four panels and it's the ability to cut down on what's unnecessary and get directly to the point. And I definitely try and do that with this podcast because I do aim for five to seven minute episodes. I don't want to spend 20 minutes talking about my website and follow me on Twitter and I want to get directly to the meat of it. I want to get directly to what somebody would want to listen to the podcast for. Good question. Since they are all this work they are giving away for free, how does anyone make money doing this? Oh, we just want to go down line. <laughs> well, my podcast is attached to a volunteer organization, so I guess um, I'm not really making money. <laughs> <laughs> Society's better. Um, I, like I said, this is my full-time income. It's my full-time job. Uh, I get my health insurance through my husband, fortunately. But um, 
Yeah, we we have a Patreon page, which is a platform where people can subscribe at whatever monetary amount they choose per month. And then that unlocks different tiers of rewards, which could either be um, free content. We do our drunk dives, which are just little mini episodes where we get especially drunk and do the same thing. Um uh, they can get, you know, like free, like a free wine glass, a free tote bag, whatever. Um, so people pay for that. I don't know why, but they do. And then we also do sponsorships on our show. So we, we do ads on our show. So, um, companies like Talkspace, Wink Wine Club is a partnership of ours because we do pair each episode with a wine. So we have a special partnership with them where we, like two or three wines a month will be a Wink Wine and then we can release those wines in advance so our listeners can go to Wink and purchase those wines. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about the tour that you just finished, too. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. that, that little thing. Yeah. Um, we just did a tour in Florida, and then we appeared at uh, the Death Becomes Us True Crime Festival in New York. So those are all, you know, paid uh, opportunities. Obviously, the tour people buy merch there. They, we get a portion of the ticket sales. Um, and then if we like appear at a festival, then the festival will pay us and ideally pay for our hotel and flights as well. But that's all. Those are all individual contracts that are sort of um, worked out with our with. Now we have an agent, so we don't have to do that anymore because negotiations as a Midwesterner, I don't feel comfortable with them. <laughs> so hopefully they'll the agency's based in New York, so they'll be a little <laughs> more cutthroat than we were. Um, for mine, I actually did dabble in Patreon on previous podcasts, and you know we had that going for a while. Shut that down with the podcast, shut down. But for this one, I feel like since um, I, I feel like I can't charge people for it or do ads for it, just because I feel like it's almost you know um, not required to you know read the book, obviously in any way, but just that it is such a um, such an in-depth analysis of something that I didn't create. You know, if I start making money off of that, I have no idea what the legal logistics are of, you know, making money off somebody else's book in such a way. I don't even want to deal with that. But I also think it's just the, the idea that this content is free. If it's something that interests you, go ahead. If it's something that doesn't, you know, I'm, I'm going to be out, you know, $100 a year in podcast hosting, and I'm okay with that just because it's my own little project. And I'm, I, I would do it anyway, even if there weren't, you know, ads even if people weren't coming up and giving me money for it so yeah it strikes me that that is the nature of podcasting that all begins at that kind of uh you know the free model and then there are certain ways of i, I think i've heard this called the freemiums that's mm -hmm. kind of how patreon works right that you that you can have i mean it is actually okay if 90 percent of the i mean think of this in lucid particular in terms of yours it's like 80 or 90 percent of the people might just be listening if you've got a really devoted 10 percent of a large enough audience, like that's okay. That's that actually does work. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you guys do like live ad reads in the podcast? Yeah. So um, advertisers are actually terrible, and they will send you new ad copy up until the day before your episode is released. And then if you don't read that ad copy, they they ask for a make good, which is just like a free ad then for with the correct ad copy. So we do just. The ad reads in a very similar format to the show where a lot of it is just improvised. We're kind of joking throughout, but obviously not in a manner that casts a bad light on the people who are paying us. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just we sort of try to 
have the same attitude towards that and not just do a cold read of an ad script because then um, it seems a little bit more seamless throughout the episode. People won't necessarily fast forward through it. And then um, in terms of the effect that are how effective that ad read is, uh, the advertisers will keep buying more from us. So if we really <laughs> drive that message home and make people laugh and say, oh, I really do need a pair of Rothy's shoes, which I'm wearing right now. They're the best <laughs> shoes in the world. <laughs> Promo code GALS will get you free shipping with no minimum. Um, but yeah, if you know you 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 do it in the same way and you sound authentic about it, and then people believe you and buy your shit. So it's great. I'm just curious because I mean, you know, I'll listen to you know three episodes of a single podcast in a row, and you get to the point where you can start reciting the ad read with the podcast just because it's always the same verbiage and it's always the same, you know. Yeah, and that's not fun. Yeah, I just that's why I was wondering if you guys do live ad reads because that seems mm -hmm. like garbage. Yeah. FCC regulations or any other kind of interstate or federal or international regulations that um, impact you when you do this kind of broadcasting? Yeah, so the question was whether there are any kind of FCC or international uh, regulations or rules that might have any impact on, on your podcasting. The, the only thing that I've ever seen, and it's certainly not FCC or anything like that, as far as I know, there's no real jurisdiction because it's all internet-based, but I at one point was a co-host on a podcast that was actually run and produced by an Australian gentleman. And we tried to integrate Patreon into that one, and it was his idea, you want to go and do that. And the logistics of that, just because of currency exchange and everything, was a huge nightmare. I have no idea if he ever got it ironed out. Um, and I was just like, you know what, keep all the money, you know, I, if it's going to be that big of a hassle, don't give me the five bucks a month, whatever, that, you know, I would make out of my share of it. But um, that's really the only thing I've ever seen because otherwise, with it being digital, you know, it's, it's essentially the same for everybody. Everyone's going to have the same or similar app to get it. So I, I'm not aware of any restrictions. The only thing, and again, I wouldn't put this necessarily under FCC type stuff, but um, one of the learning curves for me was like um, with copyright type stuff. So like wanting to include music in the podcast. And so um, it was actually from listening to other podcasts that I had heard of. Uh, and I know there are a bunch of different sites out there, but like the one that I've used is the free music archive. And so as long as you find uh, music where the owner um, there are like different levels of use. Uh, and so the one that I always use is that it's uh, entirely free. All you have to do is verbally give credit. So at the end of the podcast, I will have something where it's, you know, music for this podcast brought to you by artists such and such off of such and such. Um, uh, and obviously there are different levels for um, the, 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 I guess, end game for those artists uh, if they're wanting to make money and stuff like that. So that's been the only thing that I've had to look into. I can think of besides what these two guys have said um, is we can get slapped with some serious fines if we forget to check the explicit box when we upload our RSS feed because we are swearing from start to finish. And if you if it is not marked with that little E on a podcatcher app like iTunes, um, you can get in some major trouble. But apart from that, there's nothing really that I know of. Is that legal trouble or is that just trouble with like iTunes? 
I don't know. I was just told to always, always, always check it. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I've set mine as explicit. And I don't think I've sworn in it yet, just to be sure. But got your bases covered. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although that is also a little bit of like advertising, I would think. Like, ooh, explicit. All right. <laughs> yeah, Jordan. All right, wait, and I'm not sure I can repeat all this, but it was a question kind of about the, f the format of wine and crime and how the different co-hosts have kind of different roles that they're playing, how that was determined. Yeah, so uh, I feel a little bit hypocritical because I just preach consistency in terms of branding whenever we talk about, like, doing your own podcast. Originally, we were going to cycle through who does the psychology background and then the two people who do the cases just because that wasn't immediately clear that those things were in our wheelhouses, um, and ditto for the wine. Uh, but we did the first episode the way, with the format that we've done the rest of them, except for the second episode in, and then the second episode we started to switch, and the act, you're right, Kenyon did the psychology. And after we were finished, we were all just like, I hated that. That was terrible. So I... I'm impressed that you could tell us apart because most people cannot tell Kenyon and me apart. <laughs> okay. I'm so sorry for the disruption. But that was. Yeah, that sounds familiar. That was, that was so long ago. <laughs> yeah, I had a question. So, if someone's wanting to start their own podcast, um, you talked about Anchor, but. In terms of the basics for platforms, apps, equipment, what's the advice? So a question here was about uh, for someone starting their starting a part podcast from scratch, what kind of advice as far as the mechanics of making things come together? Um, I, and I apologize, I don't know much with Apple, so I don't know of GarageBand, if, you know, if that's free or how that works. But I know a lot of sites and a lot of people will say Audacity is, it's a completely free program. Um, you can do basically the entire thing. That's how I do mine, even now. I will record it in Audacity, um, and then you can export it as an MP3. You can go through and you can edit. You can do, you know, noise reduction, equalization, all of those kind of higher level audio uh, modifications just in Audacity, and then you can export it as an MP3. Once you have that MP3, um, the the platforms, I know there's a handful of people will say like SoundCloud. Um, I use Podbean for mine, and it's basically you make an account, it, and it will generate everything that you need for like iTunes in that by itself. Like it'll do that for you. So once you get the episode, you just do like click the upload and you put a name on it. That's all you really have to do. And then uh, once you get to the iTunes part of it or Google Podcasts or whatever they call it now, um, it will ask you uh, just for the RSS feed. So you copy and paste it in there, and then they will it will auto-update all of that for you. So really, you know, once you have some of those free options like Audacity or GarageBand, if it is free, you know, that's there is very minimal technical uh, gatekeeping that's required. It's just you might need to navigate a few menus once you go from website to website. Yeah, um, equipment-wise, well, yes, that Audacity is incredible and 
he's right that once you have that RSS, it's just a piece of code, and that's your content, that's your episode, and you, it's just a lot of copying and pasting across whatever platforms you decide to put it on. Um, in terms of, uh, of technology, I would recommend not getting, not investing a ton of money in equipment right out of the gate because for the intents and purposes of your first few episodes, a $40 microphone doesn't sound that different from a $200 microphone. So um, you can also use a sock as a pop filter. <laughs> so that's helpful. I've also, uh, the uh, life hack that I saw was actually you take an old, like badminton racket and you wrap uh, pantyhose around it yeah. as a pop filter. And a pop filter, for those who don't know, is just like a little screen that goes between your mouth and the microphone to reduce mouth, mouth noise. <laughs> So a sock works. Um, I personally use a Blue Yeti microphone. Um, and then I have a little like arm, so it just kind of dangles down. And then I have the pop filter over that. I have a Mac, so I use GarageBand to record my audio. And then I export it as an MP3, send it to Amanda, who does the editing in Logic Pro. And Logic Pro does cost money, but depending on what kind of OS you have on your computer, there's likely some software you already have. Yeah, I've, I've been using GarageBand as well uh, on my MacBook Pro. Um, and as far as the learning curve for me, my first couple episodes, I was legitimately just recording on my iPhone and like uh, wirelessly transferring it to my laptop. Uh, listening back to it, it's not the greatest quality. So over the past year, I, I did get a uh, microphone that I just plug in as a USB into my laptop. Uh, and uh, in just the 10 episodes that I've done. I, it, it is amazing how once you just start, you get better each time and like anything, it uh, becomes a little bit second nature, so. One um, thing to keep in mind definitely is how you want the, if, if it's just gonna be like one host, if it's gonna be a group of people, because one of my first podcasts was a bunch of people around a table and I also had a, a Blue Yeti uh, microphone and that has the option to do like uh, sound, capture sound from every direction, omnidirectional microphone and it has a few other options if you just want like a one-on-one -on -one interview with somebody whereas if you just have you know kind of the style you know one directional microphone you can't really do an interview with that as well you know you'd be people would be leaning in and leaning out of the microphone kind of thing uh, so I mean that's just something to keep in mind too as far as what what kind of content or what kind of format you're gonna have for the podcast we also use a zoom microphone which is just a handheld you just charge it and you can bring it wherever you go. So if you were traveling to go interview people like in the wild, that's a good one. It's very user friendly. Yeah, I, um, I have one of those also and it's, it's very easy because then you can just, you know, it's the stereotypical um, interview microphone. You know, you say something and you hand it over, you know, hold it up to the person and they respond. And I've used that when I've gone to a, a, a book fair before to do interviews. And I mean, just something as simple as that. It saves it to an SD card. You throw it in your computer and upload the file that way. You know, I had a question on my initial list asking for everyone to geek out on their favorite equipment. And we got to it, so thank you very much for asking that question. Uh, anything else? Okay, one more, yeah. So, um, and Austin, I know you're, you're a teacher, so I guess this, that sort of answers my question a little bit. But uh, do any of you have, like, formal training in, like, elocution or oration or just, like, speaking in general? Because one of the things that I have a hard time with when I'm speaking is talking really quickly, you know, and on a podcast, it's really important that people understand what you're saying. 
have you ever had challenges with that or like listened to like in an early episode and been like, oh my God, I don't understand what I'm saying, you know? Yeah, so a question about just the uh, dynamics of speaking and, and whether now when you listen to yourselves back, you all hate your voices, I guess. Professional, we are not known for speaking well, uh, but the but the good thing is that I do have that background in being able to do the editing, so it sounds good still. Um, and that was something that actually I had gotten feedback on early on in in this podcast because the other ones were much more informal, a group of people around talking. So you know, people are going to stutter, people are going to go uh oh, for a while. And in this one, the first few episodes, I still had that mentality of not checking just whatever noise I'm making when I'm thinking kind of thing. And I had somebody give me feedback for that. And then I realized it's not that hard to go through and just cut those out so you do sound a lot more eloquent when it's the final thing's done. Yeah, but it's probably better not to begin with them because <laughs> that is a lot of editing. We did that too, cutting out all of the active listening, the ums, and then like the yeah, yeah, yeah from other people. It's like, just stop it. Just shut up. Um, I took oral comm here at UNI, so that was, you know, effective, I guess. Um, <laughs> just like, yeah, being aware that you aren't just having a casual conversation with whoever you're talking to or yourself, that you are trying to deliver a message. So, yes, we get off on drunken rants a lot on my show specifically, but um, Keeping your message in mind and getting to the point is uh, is always good to, to think about. <laughs> well, I think one of the things I've learned, too, is I've, uh, especially early on, I, I mentioned that I had scripted a lot of my stuff, and I thought the key was, uh, you know, me, m me being self-conscious about me talking. And I'd listen back to, particularly when I'm uh, interviewing people, it's about them. It's not about me, really. So uh, I've learned to not get as hung up on how I sound because in that moment they really shouldn't, if, if I'm doing my role as host or whatever, uh, I should be giving them the platform, not so much taking it myself. So I, I guess, but I, I still do think my sound, my voice sounds weird, uh, but, <laughs> um, but I've, I've tried to, to not get hung up on that. Yeah. And you also need to just be listening to what the other person's saying and not just thinking about what you're gonna say next and how you're gonna say it. Well, Austin, Lucy, John, I want to thank you all for coming out. I thought we covered a lot of ground here today. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to the ICTE podcast. The podcast is written, produced, and hosted by me, Austin Hall. Music for this episode by Steve Combs from the Free Music Archive. Please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite streaming platform. You can now listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and many other podcast streaming platforms. We'd also love for you to rate and review the ICTE podcast. That will allow others to discover us. Thank you to Jim O'Loughlin, John Tonjes, Lucy Fitzgerald, and the University of Northern Iowa for their contributions to this episode. Thanks again, ICTE. Until next time, this has been Austin Hall for the ICTE podcast, the official podcast of the Iowa Council of Teachers of English. <laughs>